Welcome to episode 255 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Whoop are offering you a discount on join.whoop.com forward slash CPW. So if you want to check out how your body is recovering, um, you can keep an eye on your metrics and all that kind of stuff, skin temperature and heart rate and all that. Have at it. Uh, GoWad have a free trial if you download the app as a new user. You can test out their full range. Uh, there's a little mobility pun for you there. Their full range of movements and protocols to be primed and ready for workouts and just life in general. Fitter are simply the best program to run your coaching through. Engage with your clients, like record workout results, all that kind of stuff. Um, but also benefit from the constant upgrades and improvements and use a company who listen to and react to user feedback. So whether you have six or 6,000 clients, get.fitter.training to test it out. Uh, Rain are getting ready for Filthy 150 this weekend. They'll be there with bells on, doling out caffeine all weekend. And Rad have released a Rad Tapes episode of their trip to New York with a pretty well-known voiceover. Invo- it was me. I, I did it. It was me. Um, they also teased their next launch with a phenomenal video on their Instagram uh, and you can go to rad-global.com to subscribe and get updates on the launch and when it's coming. It's coming at the end of October. Now, the news. Uh, LSKD bringing you the community news because community is so high in their priorities. They want you to feel and look good, whether you're training, competing, or walking the dogs and grabbing a Vegemite Sambo and a Tim Tam. Uh, last weekend, the Iron Games were on stateside. On the ladies' side, uh, Davis Merrill and Kelsey Peterson were on the podium behind uh, Rachel Noel, or Noel, um, and Ethan Tate took the men's crown ahead of Drake Lewis and Chance Ramos that is a serious first name Chance uh, we also had the Raging Games uh, in the US last weekend uh, Traven Benton came out on top of the men's field ahead of Clay Farris and Alex Baranich and on the female side Charity Abercrombie with like just an amazingly American name and she came in third place behind Annalise Moore in second and Chloe Smith up top on the podium you can go to at Raging underscore games on Instagram for more on their competition and lastly Filthy150 is on this weekend HW WPO will be in town. Uh, link went out last night in your emails. If you're a spectator or a volunteer for uh, the community workouts, you can check your email and descend on Louds this weekend. DKIT for community events, affiliate advice, weight are going to be there, hybrid academy are going to be there, virus are going to be there, grenade, whoop, heaps of vendors, and no doubt a great community weekend at Filthy150 for more details on that. Today's guest is Jared Grabeel. We chat about the upcoming Zalos games as well as his new role in athlete management and his role with underdogs. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Thanks a million for coming back on. It's uh, it's you. great to, it's great to catch up. We've obviously chatted a bit in messages and stuff, but it's great to catch up uh, properly. Um, you had a busy, uh, busy. Well, you had a busy summer, but you also had a busy like whatever year and a bit since we spoke last. Um, so we go like backwards from now is probably the easiest way to do it so you're in madrid that was like your most recent trip was madrid uh well i went to power monkey recently so i spent a little over a week in tennessee um but man it's been a lot of traveling but madrid was a was my my most recent like far trip how did you find that was it good dude madrid was incredible man it was um for me i went with multiple intentions um you know now that i'm hosting the live Zalos games, it's like my approach this year has been totally different because I need to learn a lot of different things than what I learned last year hosting an mm-hmm. only online competition. Anybody that's ever hosted an event knows it's a whole lot harder to host a live one than it is to host an online one. And so I went with this, I want to learn a ton. Um, you know, I know a handful of people uh, that are involved in putting that on. And so I was able to 
ask some questions, get, you know, different levels of access. And then of course, um, you know, I was friends with, I am friends with Lauren and Presley from Morning Chalk Up. So I was, you know, sort of available to help uh, them with whatever they need. So it's sort of like I was a jack of all trades, which was amazing for me because one, I like to be busy. Um, as much as I like to spectate, I like to serve a purpose more. And so it was nice to be able to like take notes in the event. Like, what am I missing? Um, what do I need to take from this event? Granted, there's like a, there was 9,000 people in attendance, like 2,000 competitors. Mine's a little different. Um, but still, I'm, I'm like on the floor. I'm taking notes. But I'm also able to help with like data and, and a lot of the like competition timing and who's winning what and how just to like share some of that information with Lauren and Presley so they can report on it right away from Morning Chalk Up. Um, and then, you know, underdogs wise, we had Kyra there competing. Annika was there. She's a friend of the, the family, what have you, you know what I mean? So like, she's, her a, she's, her a, she's a stray dog that kind of wanders in and out. <laughs> yeah. She's a stray dog. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we had like, we had in the friend. underdog sense, I'm not calling her ugly. I mean, like in the underdogs <laughs> metaphor, Far she's a stray dog. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like, uh, I served a handful of purposes, um, and I was able to learn a ton. And so that was incredible. And then obviously like the relationships you like the Jukic brothers, I'm like, I'm a queen. I wouldn't call these my friends, right? Like I don't go hang out with these guys, but I've had them on the podcast. I talked to Luca and Lazar a, a good bit, like through Instagram. So it's cool being able to like, you know, say what's up to these guys, uh, spend a couple of minutes with them in between events. And so just being able to get with, cause it's the largest European event like in the world, I think. Um, mm. And so, you know, what was really cool about it to me is that, the games is amazing. Waterpalooza is amazing. Rogue is amazing. These are some really cool events, but this is the most diverse event I've ever been to. Like you've got people from all over the world at Madrid CrossFit Championship. So that was cool to me. Um, I liken it to, you know, you know, I'm a Christian. So when I'm there, I'm like, this is probably what heaven's going to be like. You know what I mean? It's like so diverse, like people from every country, every, you know, all, all colors, all people, all genders. It was just amazing for me to be there and witness it and learn a ton. Long story um, short. <laughs> you were in Italy before that then, weren't you? No, I didn't go to Italy. Or... Were you I didn't somewhere go for Italy. a wedding or somewhere in I was Europe? in France, yeah. Oh, so France. Like, I went to France for a week right before the week of the games. Okay. And so that was a lot. Um, but I couldn't miss either one for the world, right? Like, so yeah. one of my best friends is getting married in France. He was born and raised there. Um he came to St. Augustine, Florida, went for college, and that's where we met because I'm from Jacksonville Beach. And so, good friend of mine, I went to France for a week. I flew back to Vegas for like eight hours, and then flew to Madison, and then um, nice. which was like nerve wracking because I almost missed my flight in Zurich, not because of me, but because like they didn't have a seat for me. I don't know, you know. Oh yeah, airlines that lately shit always happens. It's fucking ridiculous. I had to like sit in the very back seat. Like it was weird. You were like, like sitting on top of the drinks trolley. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, get me home. It was like a 14 hour flight from Zurich to to Vegas. But man, I got here. I took a nap. I packed up, went to Madison, and had a good old time at the games. Uh, you've you've also um taken on some extra roles so like i said the last time we spoke you had i think i don't think the podcast was happening then um it might have been like germinating but i don't think it had happened i don't think and think so. yeah and like the game the zelos games was like uh 
gathering pace and was gonna you know like you had ideas what it's gonna be like and it was like you know it was ambitious and like you know broad that kind of you know you're talking about diverse i guess um and you had your intentions behind it of why you want to do it all that kind of stuff um now we're like whatever 12 months on a little bit more now you're uh in athlete management you're working with underdogs you've got an in-person competition coming up you've got a podcast you've got like you know apparel that goes with the competition and stuff as well um how much of this was like oh i want to do this and i want to do that and how much of it was you know just sort of happened just like developed into what well like how much of this was intention and how much of it was like you know circumstance or, or happenstance Oh, well, all of it is both. So, so what I mean by that is like, if you were to create like a pie graph of how these things came to fruition, like I'm very intentional about my ambitions and like the long term of what I want to accomplish. Um, and then sort of like reverse engineering that and sort of like strategizing in the short term. What does that look like for me and my daily habits, my relationships and my work? And so, um, you know, last time we like like last March, I sold that last company and I took that road trip and I started the Zalos games. And that was like my first step back into like professional world, right? I had taken some time off. Now, granted, I have like my consulting agency that I've I've ran for, for years now, but that's very much, I don't market myself as a consultant. That's super organic. So throughout the year, it's not, it doesn't bog me down. So long story short, I started the Zalos games and through the Zalos games, created all these relationships um, that were organic, but symbiotic for, to host this competition and to be successful in that. And so of course I got acquainted with, with Cooper and Jason from lab management. And uh, it's ironic because as a kid, I like, um, you know, I saw Jerry Maguire and thought I want to be a sports agent. And then I was discouraged um, because I found out you need a law degree. And like, I grew up with very little means, like, um, going that, that would be self-funded for me and the circumstances of my life and my teenage years just didn't allow me to pursue a law degree yeah we've we've, co- we've covered that in the last so, episode if you want to hear about that story you can go back to the last episode <laughs> yeah it's a little tough a little tough back then so um so i sort of gave up like my sports agency goals right and so long story short you know cooper and jason uh were like pivotal in helping me ho- put the first zalos games on um and sort of brought me under their wing and, and introduced me to a lot of important people in order to be successful in hosting an event like this. Um, and in that, uh, you know, it may have been Justin or Jason or Cooper that was like, you know, Jared, I think you'd be good at athlete management. It's something you should consider. And obviously that's flattering. I was overwhelmed with Zalos games at the time. So when it was first presented to me, it's like, I think that would be really cool too. I also think I could do pretty well. I just don't know that I want to stamp myself as like a full-time athlete manager because I'm so entrepreneurial, like to a fault as you can tell, you know what I mean? Like, so, um, after the Zalos games, uh, you know, Ariel won the overall competition on the female side. Um, her and I have some shared values. I really loved just like working with her, the communication process of like sharing some of the content that she did, getting her paid. And I did post competition interviews with everybody that was willing to chat with me. And so her and I just got along really, really well. And she was one of the only athletes that like won, top three, top five or whatever that didn't have representation. 
And um, so I sort of was like, Ariel, you should, you should get someone, an agent. And so she was like, I'll think about that. I've never thought about that. She reaches out to lab and then lab says, Jared, like Ariel just hit us up and said that you inspired her to hit us up. Like, why don't you work with Ariel? And I was like, I would love to do that because it's not like I didn't want to get into athlete management for the sake of being an athlete manager. I wanted it to be something that I was like inspired to do. And so when it was sort of like full circle, Ariel wants a manager and I really like Ariel as a person and an athlete. She didn't have a manager or any paid sponsors, but she's a CrossFit Games athlete, fittest American mom. It was like, this is an opportunity for me to help someone to learn the ropes and not to be committed full time. I will do that. And so it just, so part organic, but part like I've been preparing my whole life for a role like this with all the things that I had done in preparation. You know what I mean? Um, So there's that. And then like same thing kind of with the underdogs thing. I had met Justin in Vegas on my road trip. Shared with him the Zalos Games idea. He loved it. Ran into him again at the games. We reconnected, and he was he helped me program one of the workouts, and then we stayed in touch. Um, and I would I'm a self proclaimed underdog. Like if if you look at the story of my life, um, I liked I would say that I'm an underdog like through and through. And so just sort of attracted to the brand. Obviously, a name is a name, but if you get to know people, um, you you learn to love the brand. And so like me and Justin got along really well. And, you know, underdogs is at a very early stage of business. And this is something that I thrive in is like startup world. And so, um, again, relatively organic. It was one of those things I suggested, like Justin, I think to get to the next level, you guys should bring on like a, a business person, right? Cause they've got some of the best coaches in the industry, um, some of the best athletes, but there wasn't like a, um, like a business person sort of strategizing and, delegating and you know all the behind the scenes stuff that isn't super sexy and so um i was like well i'm a free agent technically and i'd love to help and so we sort of just came together and found a way to make it work i came to vegas and started working with underdogs um then uh the podcast was like i do like podcasting i wouldn't say that i'm the best at interviewing i think if when i go back and watch mine i'm more boring than most people so i am rethinking like doing podcasts and stuff um or I'm, i guess i'm less controversial too which is like that's exciting for podcasts to be controversial but anyways the point of it was twofold like i want to keep those games relevant in the off season like our off season and then two you know i didn't feel like there was like a podcast specifically designed for extrapolating on the life stories of these athletes. And I could be wrong. I'm very interested in people's life stories. So I figured like, who wouldn't want to know the first workout Sam Briggs did? You know what I mean? Or like, who wouldn't, you know what I mean? So I was like, I know a handful of these athletes. Let me see if they want to jump on a podcast. And then we kick the podcast off. And, um, and as you know, like a uh, former friend of mine um, in- inspired me to do it. Cause he's like, I'll help you. I'll, I'll produce the podcast. All you got to do is get them on on the camera and I'm like, Oh, that's easy for me. And so we partnered up and launched the podcast. And so, um, they all sort of not, not entirely organically. Cause I don't consider myself to be a lucky person, but I'm always putting in work. And this is, these were like the organic results of that work. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, was that the harder you work, the luckier you get, isn't that the, yeah. Yeah. the phrase, the old adage, um, what's athlete management like? Is that like, so say, like by and large, is it just Ariel that you work with there doing that? It was for the past year. 
Um, and, and like, it's not, you know, it wasn't that I didn't have other opportunities to work with different people. Um, I just, I wasn't, I didn't I mean, dive into probably got enough plates spinning to be fair. Yeah. It was like, I, like um, 10 athletes. not that I'm like too good for other people or any of the athletes that hit me up over the past year. It was like one, I'm really focused on getting Ariel what she needs. Like this is like, she's a person, so don't get this wrong. But like, it was a case study for me to see, am I good at this? Like, yeah. is this something I should consider doing for other people? Um, and I'm confident in, in saying that I think we've done a really great job. I mean, Ariel is who she is, so she makes it easy for me. Um, but like I, I would say over this past year, I've convinced myself like, hey, I think I'm pretty good at this management thing. Um, mm. So because of that, now I've, I've actually brought on a couple more people. So um, uh, two, more, two more people in particular, a um, girl named Kate Van Zeele. Who is uh, oh, that's the partner. Australian girl, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, and Kate's awesome. She sort of like popped up on my radar because Justin started coaching her. Again, it wasn't something where I was like, "I'm gonna represent more people. Let me go out and start like pitching." It was like, "Who? Okay, now that I want to do this a little bit more, let's see what happens." And then Justin signed on Kate as an athlete, and then she DM me and was like, "Hey, how does this work? I see you work in athlete management." And I was like, "As a matter of fact." Let's jump on a call because it's something I'm interested in doing more. Step into my office. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we literally like over the past week did onboarding and I'm, I'm beginning to kind of figure out where, where she best fits in the marketplace as like an Australian former teams going indie. Um, it's a really unique thing to do, but uh, yeah. And then a girl named Riley Beebe, who I'm super excited about. She won second place in the 14 to 15 division last year. Um she is a stud. Uh, like most recently, if you look at her Instagram, she overhead squats 200 pounds three times. Um, and it's sick. I know, bro. Like, uh, turn 16 next year, like mid, mid next year. And just a, like a lot of potential. But again, I met her and her dad in Madison at the gym. Um, she was training. I was training. I don't remember how me and Ben like shook hands, but I'm a relatively social person. So, um, we chatted for a sec. He was like, yeah, that's my daughter. I'm like, well, she looks like she's competing, but I know she's not elite. She must be a teenager. He's like, yeah, 14 to 15, blah, blah, blah. She got second place. She got 15th last year. So I was like, that's so incredible, man. Like, you should be proud. And we, you know, we became friends, followed each other on Instagram. Long story short, I, you know, we reconnected and um, really in the past couple of weeks started working together. So super excited about that too. Totally different. Like I've got this, you know, established Okay, oh, you've got the three. You've got the three generations. You've got the mom, the uh, someone moving into individual, or a teenager. You've got it all yeah. covered. Um, and so it's uh, yeah. I, I hope that answers your question. Did you ask me how it works? Is that what you said? No, I'm just I'm just curious of what it's like because it's like. So say if you're representing someone, I suppose it's it's well, we say when you just had Ariel, and she is like she was like, just wildly underrepresented uh, with like she saw, it was just like criminal how little like spotlight she got and how little like I don't know like brand appreciation and stuff or opportunities or whatever or maybe she was getting them but didn't know how to accept them or whatever but um, when you're working with her or any athlete is it like seasonal like I'm curious about say you obviously don't want your athlete to just their instagram bio just to be like 
just like sponsor, 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 sponsor. You don't want that. So you obviously want like a couple of headliners of like, they will make this possible for you to be like a professional athlete, as in like as close as you can be in this sport until it gets more professionalized, I guess. Um, and then is it like that you, you, you try your best to find the best match as in like say area with RPM, like, you know, I've had the guys from RPM on, they're great. Their company is great. Their mission statement is great. Like what, how they do it, their attitudes, everything is great. Perfect matchup with Ariel. So that's, it's kind of a no brainer when that happens or when that becomes likely to occur, I guess. Um, but then obviously, presumably that's like, okay, 12 months. So then do you just like relax? Do you know what I mean? That's like, how, like, what do you do in, yeah. in the inter, inter meaning time? Are you like, you know, well, what if that doesn't work out in 12 months time? I need to have some other iron on the fire. Or what if like blah, blah, blah. Or what if they drop her? What if they go out of business? Like that kind of stuff. Or like, what do you do after you sign a contract with someone? You always have to get content out. and You have to make sure that she's holding up her end of the bargain and stuff. And you might have to go back and forth. Like she did this thing and you didn't do this thing. Or you did this thing and she hasn't done this yet. I'll chase up that. But like, is there just like kind of dead time in between? Um, so yes and no. And of course, I'll respond like with my limited understanding. I know like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people would be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to pretend to know it all. And, and like Bijan or Snorri or Cooper yeah. or Jason will keep watching. Like who does, does this guy think he, he is? You know what I mean? Um, but no, I have a process. And so like uh, from, from day one, it's like uh, with Ariel or whether it was Riley or, or Kate, um, we do onboarding. We just go through like a list of like, what's your favorite shoe? Second favorite, third favorite, fourth favorite, because we're, we may not get your first favorite. Right yeah yeah but what do you genuinely like to wear i go through a gamut of all, like, there's so many products in the crossfit space and there's so many products outside of crossfit that i think as managers it's our responsibility to like beat those doors down to get the kodiak cakes to sponsor a crossfit athlete so we can start getting these bigger brands into you know what i mean it's like the, whoever that was the first person to get monster to sponsor a crossfit athlete is like they're doing what we need to be doing because if we're all chasing down the same crossfit brand for some cash the crossfit brand's gonna run out of cash we need to get these non anyways that's i digress there but so i just go through an onboarding thing and then from there i identify uh personally like what i think is the best product market athlete fit right so with ariel being fittest american mom what are some of the brands that like clearly value being american made or they clearly target parents or moms etc so I kind of like look at that, right? Like First Form, for example, has a multivitamin for kids. But First Form is also a very reputable elite athlete brand. So like for Ariel, who just started working with First Form, that was ideal for me and for her, more importantly. Um, so, so that's kind of my thought process around trying to establish these relationships. But once they get signed and on the dotted line, do we take a break? Sure, but that doesn't mean I'm done because if I just got her a supplement company, we're good for a year or two or three, however long that contract is there. But I still have um, to make sure if she has deliverables at an event, like those are being met. I mean, Ariel is probably an outlier in that she, I mean, she's an MBA, like she's mom, a wife, like she's very well organized, you know, like she, she keeps track of all of her stuff really well. I'm not having to like chase her down, but I still, I mean, from time to time, I'm, I'm reviewing the contract. I review all these contracts monthly to make sure we're hitting the deliverables. If anything's coming up that we are proactive about it because I don't want to lose one or like have a bad, like, 
you know, leave yeah, a bad yeah. taste in someone's mouth. So that is part of the work. Granted, that's relatively easy, like regular check-ins. Um, but just because we got our supplement company doesn't mean she's she's fully taken care of, right? So like now it's time to revisit shoes or um, like her apparel's fine. Okay, we don't need to look at that. But like we got to renew these sunglass deal or look at uh, you know. So there's always work to be done, but there are ebbs and flows to it. To answer your question, like when I first brought her on, I'm hitting the ground running. Like with Riley and Kate right now, like I'm working harder over the next couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, than I will once I get them two, three, four, five deals, because then it's like more maintenance. Um, Do you struggle with that? Because I know I struggle with that, where you have an idea and you start working on it, and there's that buzz of like, oh fuck, this is amazing. Even if it ends up being absolute dog shit, there's that thing at the start where you're like, this is the best thing ever, and I've got so much energy for it, and you start doing stuff, and then like I see people, like say Rad, I see them like teasing a shoe like three weeks before it's launched and i'm like how do you hold on to it like how do you hold back the picture of the shoe that you know you have that you know people are going to like like anytime i get someone like if i have someone coming up i'm like oh i just want to release the episode now because i have a recorder why can't i just like you know i recorded an episode with like travis mayer a couple of weeks ago and it's out like next week but i was just like fuck it just release it on a sunday who gives a shit you know like i can't yeah. hold back stuff and then like when it's done like when it when i have it finished that thing finished i'm itching for like the next thing or i'm like oh like i need everyone to see it straight away i need to just get it out and get some feedback on it or i need to like is it hard for you if you're if you're always got like your fingers in so many pies that always sounds like a horrible sentence yeah that was weird if you've always (laughs) got if you've always got loads of irons in the fire there you go and then some of those irons are just kind of cooling beside the fire and they don't need to be in there do you like is it hard for you to just sit still with like that's done now and then just like not Um, do anything with it no but that's because i always have and this isn't like a brag it's just how my how my life works but like i always have so many irons in the fire i always have so many burners on so many fingers and pies (laughs) (laughs) so many fingers and so many pies i'm not (laughs) anyways oh yeah so like like I have like my whiteboard in front of me right now is like all my priorities, right? Like underdogs athletics, uh, E3, which is my consulting agency, the Zalos games. Um, and then of course, like, uh, athlete management, which are like top priorities. And then of course, like I have a couple personal influencer style deals that those are like, I have deliverables there. Um, and so, and then I have like my travel schedule. So it's like once one thing gets checked off the list, man, it's a breath of fresh air, but I know that I have like a hundred more things to check off. Yeah, this. Yeah. Like I can already tell you the day that the Zillow's games is over. Like what, like I'm day one on a new thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I want to relaunch the journal I created and possibly like reposition the book I published last year as like a relaunch, you know, going into the, into this. So it's like, I already know that once this is over, like this is holding me back, if anything, from the next thing I want to do. You know what I mean? Um, you know, sleeping at night is probably the hardest part. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh. like my mind's always racing. Um, what was the response like to Zalos last year? Like, were you happy with how people reacted to it? Were you happy with the feedback you got? Yeah, um, for the most part. I mean, there's. I think like seven or eight things that I I identified personally as like success markers for the Zalos games first year. Um, Some of those are really pragmatic, like financial success, 
um, brand visibility, uh, and then like the programming, did the athletes enjoy the programming? Did it make sense? Was it a good test? And then the, the show, like who showed up? Um, and then also like, was the leaderboard diverse, right? Cause I created this to be a, a global online competition for athletes to earn money, no matter where they're from. And so like, was the leaderboard diverse? And so there were success markers, leaderboard, super diverse, very proud of that. Um, athletes got paid within a week after the competition, very proud of that. Um, and so brand visibility, proud of that. And I was able to do like post competition interviews, I guess, with some of the athletes and got a bunch of great feedback and then gets it. I got some, uh, constructive criticism as well, which is okay. I didn't take it personally. It's my first time hosting it online, like a very unique thing. It's not like I came into this with, with a bunch of pride. Um, and so everything I learned, we changed, right? Like last year it was 20 bucks to sign up for one workout instead of just do the whole thing. I was trying to be different. Mm. It didn't work. Right? So like, it was stupid. And so we didn't do that this year. Now it's flat, like anywhere from 39 to 69 bucks to sign up for all four workouts. And I learned a bunch. Like if somebody just does one workout, it messes up the leaderboard, right? So like I learned a ton. Yeah. Um, three weeks for four workouts. That's a really long time. I'm not the open. So okay, 10 days this year for four workouts. So just there was things that like I casted a really broad net last year. We had a scale division. And like, if you enter the scale division, it enters you into a raffle. I thought, okay, these people like to work out, but they may not think they'll win. So just by competing, they'll win a raffle. That sounds like a genius idea. It wasn't apparently because not many people signed up. It was a a big loss for me. Um, So it's like, okay, no, no scaled raffle this year. We have 10 divisions. We have the elite and then there's a pre-qualifier to it top 500 in the worldwide quarterfinals so we're helping to build a little more value into the crossfit game season programming hmm. we're also leveraging that as like a, a clear qualifier to where like elite people can't just do the rx and sandbag and win some prizes you know what i mean hmm. so i learned a ton uh overall very happy with it i mean to be transparent i like I say I lost a bunch of money, but in, in reality, I invested a ton of money in it. I, I didn't plan on losing money last year, but who does, you know, like, yeah. um, but I didn't know that Wadapalooza qualifiers would be the same week. So last year, the Zillas games kicked off on October 4th, Wadapalooza qualifiers kicked off on uh, October 4th. I couldn't have planned for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so this year, I was on in touch with Dylan at the beginning of the year. Like, yo, when it's co- like when it's cool, can I can you tell me when Wadapalooza is happening so I can push like push it back? And so we pushed it to November. And so um, certainly learned a lot last year. Overall, very happy. Like at the end of the day, I, you know, I started it not for myself um, and not necessarily for profits, but for two reasons. One, to increase earnings potential for athletes all over the world and entertainment for fans. Um, we did really good at the first part, not awesome at the second, because to create entertainment is an expensive venture. Um, we repurposed a lot of the videos on YouTube, and that was fun, and you know, hit the mark a little bit. But this year, that's why we're hosting the live event. Um, and uh, in addition to obviously having the online competition where the majority of the prize money is allocated to. Is that in Camp Rhino, the online, or the in-person yeah, so the in-person event is like, again, you know, this year it was like, how do I do it differently? If I do it at all, I wasn't really sure if I was going to do it again because hosting an event is not easy and it's very expensive. 
it's a huge financial risk. Like it's very unlike any other business I've ever built or ran where it's like cash in, cash out, bring cash in, build it bigger. So honestly, this is like one huge leap of faith, like, and then hoping that everyone shows up. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like buying five cakes for a party where you don't know if 300 people are coming or not. Like, uh, you know, anyways, I don't know if it's the best analogy, but. Um, so, yeah. No, it's uh, fine. I, I'm honestly, I'm trying to think like how many pints are in a keg and how many people, like, is he saying that there's 300 people who are going to get absolutely shit faced or is everyone <laughs> just going to sip on a glass of beer each and it's fine? <laughs> like I'm trying to oh, gauge, no, is that party a rager or is it okay? I think a keg is like a hundred <laughs> beers probably. Okay, um, yeah. So people are getting shit faced. <laughs> yeah. So like 300 people, six kegs should be pretty good. I think like we used to usually have one or two kegs at like a house party of 50, 60 people. Yeah. Okay. Um, and usually the goal was like girls drink free, guys pay a couple bucks. Um, and out of pride, guys would typically just bring their own stuff. We would usually have some, you know. So I, I root my early stage event organizing uh, credit to all the parties. In, in, try, in trying to get girls to parties. <laughs> <laughs> you see, here's the like unspoken rule about hosting parties back in the day that nobody really knew. Like for, when we were in college, like I threw really good parties. Because here's the trick, and this was when Facebook was the thing. Instagram wasn't even really a thing back then. Um, you invite only girls. Like, don't even invite your homies. Like, invite, like, one or two of your guy friends. Because every other dude's going to find out. Hmm. But if you invite 30 guys and 30 girls, you're going to have 15 girls and 60 guys at your party. <laughs> so the, the trick is invite 60 girls and 15 guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then your party ends up being 30 girls and 30 guys. <laughs> yeah. So like, cause dude, every weekend guys are just worried, what are girls doing this weekend? So if you invite yeah. 60 girls and half of them decide to come, they're going to, it's going to get leaked out. You tell 30 guys, man, it's not, it's going to be what we called a sausage fest back then. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of, everyone wants to throw a party into your yeah, a little bit of a little bit of absolutely fucking useless information for a dad of two <laughs> who's married <laughs> yeah just like worthless but somebody yeah i mean tell me about like, it I, like yeah dude i'm um you know not married don't have kids but i work way too much to even try to enjoy a, a party but yeah. uh we do have an after party after the after the zealous games at the marquee which wow, that was cool. that was fucking professional. You really brought it back. <laughs> you brought it back to topic. That's yeah, that's that's impressive. I was as we were talking about that party thing, I was like, how the fuck am I gonna get this back on track? But wow, you just <laughs> don't worry, man. I'm just like spun I'll it around. always reel it in. Yeah. No, we uh you know, if you attend the Zealous games and you get a wristband, you get free entry to the marquee, girls drink free at the marquee, um, for the after party, so <laughs> Bringing your college, uh, your college <laughs> intel to real life, yeah. Girls go free, guys. You gotta pay double because the girls yep. go free. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, so the planning then for for you know you kind of say that you weren't sure you you know that you kind of took a hit and it was it's obviously not enjoyable to that and I know it's not the it's not the be all and end all but obviously you're like nobody wants to be like I'm gonna put on this event every year and dig myself a hole I can never get out of because I'm so insistent on putting it on every year like you want to break even and eventually like make a living and you know like that's that's the aim regardless yeah. of if people talk about it or not um so last year you had 
different training camps were programming different workouts. Like underdogs did one, Mayhem did one, and you know that was kind of a. I'm sure that was one of your like this is different kind of things that you were thinking of and um, that you talked about earlier on. Is that happening this year or who's programming it this year? No, this year I took a different approach. I mean, um, to really simplify the process because I didn't want to overcomplicate. Like there's so many things that go into even the online event now there's 10 divisions, but also like especially the, the live one. Um, I didn't want to overcomplicate over complicate the programming part. And I also didn't, so long story short, Kiefer, who's the assistant head coach at uh, Underdogs Athletics, is like my lead programmer, right? So I created like a framework. Like I know I want four workouts. I want these stimuli, yeah, um, yeah. these time domains, these equipment preferences. Um, and then build something from it. And so he did, and then we critiqued it together. So, so he took the largest, you know, bulk of that. And then we have like a collective group of, um, a few people, uh, Brian friend, Andrew Hiller, who I've shared, like we early on shared the programming with to get like, it's like, Hey guys, pick this apart for me. Um, and so we, we have had some help, but primarily the, the credit goes to Kiefer. Um, and you know, I thought a lot about that. Uh, I haven't actually talked with Justin about this specifically, um, but I didn't want it to be an underdog because I didn't want because I work here. I don't yeah, want yeah. the world to think that this is like a biased underdogs thing, and that to scare other people away, and that might just be me being insecure. So that's kind of why I didn't strategically make this a um, like an underdogs program this workout thing. Yeah, um, because it is an online event. A lot of things can happen with an online event. Uh, I think it, it would be a lot different than like, for example, HWPO programming like the, the Can West games. Like it's not like HWPO all showed to that, like all their, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's an open, you know? So, um, so that's kind of why I did it the way that I did it, knowing that I work for underdogs. Cause that might've been a, a question of yours or something like that. Um, plus Justin has a, a lot on his plate with all the people he, he, he coaches and programs for. So uh, really didn't want to bog him down with like pulling him to do this. So, um, and uh, it was nice to be able to get Kiefer involved because Kiefer is this up and coming. I mean, he's already like here. He's not up and coming technically, but like, you know, I think Kiefer deserves a seat at the table, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and by getting him involved, I feel like that could help, you know, not that he needs my help, but you know what I'm saying? Is, um, so like say last week or maybe it was week before you, uh, there was a, a an announcement or whatever that Hiller was involved as head judge and that um <laughs> is that like is that involvement uh I'm playing devil's advocate. So I'm I always give people a bound for the doubt. So I'm assuming you involved him because he's fucking good at what he does and he knows his shit. And like I've had him on the show and he's a pleasure to talk to and he's like he's really fucking passionate and he he cares like um but is involving him also easing the stress of like, oh, he could make a video talking shit about this, like the week it's on or the week after it's on. But if he's involved, he's not going to do that because he's got a vested interest in it. Am I paying Hiller off? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, no, it's it's twofold. It really is. Uh, it all comes down to strategy. I'm like, I'm a pragmatist, like to a fault. And so like, um, this wasn't my idea originally. I honestly don't remember whose idea it was. I mean, so many people have contributed ideas to what we're building here. But um, 
it's twofold, right? I do believe in the world of CrossFit, Hiller has proven himself to be like the best video analyst probably on in, in the scene. And this is largely a video. This is an online competition where we have to review a ton of videos. <clears throat> so I was like, why not bring on the best person for that? So that was one of the reasons and the main reason. The second thing is, okay, well, if I bring him on, this serves a purpose for him too, because a lot of the CrossFit audience is echoing this sentiment of like, put your money where your mouth is, especially people like at HQ yeah. that work at seminar that, that judge events. It's like, you've never done this. Hiller wants you do this. And so this gave him, gives him an opportunity to step up to that plate. And he was more than happy to do that. He wasn't hesitant. Like, Oh crap, here's my chance. Let me, let me cower away. He was like, Oh shoot. Like, this is a good point. And I've been wanting to do this. So like when I presented it to him, it was like, Hey dude, you're the best video analyst in the space. And I could really use your help. But also this is an opportunity for you to judge the live event and prove to people like you've got what it takes to, to do the, the work here live. Um, and then thirdly, like you said, and like, I don't mind saying this publicly, if he's doing it for me, he won't be doing it against me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and what I said to Hiller is like, yo, cause it's like, this is a, an event. I I'm not like paying him what he's worth in short. You know what I mean? Like, um, to do this work. But it was like, Hiller, you're going to watch all these videos anyways, and you're going to tear them apart either way. Why yeah. not do that on the inside and help? Because you're going to do it no matter what. And he was like, that's true. And I'm like, so let's do it from the inside. Let's penalize them privately. And then I could just call it a day. Like, let's do it yeah. professionally. You know what I mean? Um, so no, it it's smart. It, it is smart. Out. It is smart. Um, you announced the standards and the penalties against the standards which i don't think i've ever seen done anywhere other than like sometimes they'll say like this is a rep this isn't a rep on a video or whatever but or they might in the text say like the athlete must and they'll have their little text or whatever um announcing the penalties and stuff is that just because of say like the frustration that generally happens where it's like kind of vague and it's like oh we'll we'll work out a time penalty based off how much of an advantage you gained or lost or whatever is that just to kind of eradicate any confusion frustration annoyance problems like arguments on the day and that kind of stuff um the original intention doesn't have anything to do with like what's been going on we're doing it because it makes the most sense like we're doing it because we don't know why it's not being done um, I am a little weary, right, of like doing this and then finding out on the back end, like, oh, this is why CrossFit doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hopefully that like revelation doesn't happen. But even as a group, and it's like, I'm empathetic to the fact that I have not been around for 15 years. There are people at CrossFit HQ that are putting together the, the content for the open rules, quarterfinals, semifinals, et cetera, that have been around way longer than me. But it still begs the question, why don't we transparently communicate penalties in advance because for example and like this, i'm not casting shade this is a but the bike to work event it's like why didn't we say someone in the room is like hey playing devil's advocate what if someone skips a, a lap and then they have a, a brief discussion of like oh it's a seven minute penalty if they do and then when it happens they're like everyone we planned for this it's a seven minute penalty instead of having a corral afterwards and being like holy crap someone skipped a lap what are we going to do and then they all like put their best minds together and they're like slowest lap like why wasn't that done before um yeah. 
And so, again, like, I am empathetic to the fact that they're doing the hard work. Um, so I try not to be critical of people that are, like, in the arena. Um, but for us, it's like, why why shouldn't we do this? Why, why not explain the penalties in advance? So then, like you said, yes, we can avoid kickback on the back end, but we're not really doing it to avoid frustration. We're doing it because it just makes the most sense. Like, we already – But it makes, it makes the judge's job way easier. And it makes the head judge's job easier because it's like we told you. Like we told yeah. you what would happen if you didn't do the burpee properly. Or we told you what would happen if this, that, and the other. And the athletes know going in. Um, now, like there is that kind of thing of like, will there be gaming where it's like, it's probably worth my, like going by where I am in this workout, it's probably worth my while to fuck that rep up and just deal with the time rather than do this, this, and this. Do you know what I mean? Which that yeah. also makes it kind of interesting though, where you're kind of like, it, you know, would people think that way? Would people like I remember hearing Fraser talk about you go to your judge and you see where is the exact line <laughs> that I have to get to, and then I'll literally just go to that line. Um, so I think it adds it adds an element of intrigue to it. Um, is it going to be live streamed the the in person? Yes. So Savon has the broadcast rights to the competition. So he's sending a small team out. Susu will be out. Uh, Brian Friend is like the live analyst. Um, so there will be, I think we're doing a pretty sh strappy or scrappy. Um, I think Savon's, I've got like a small team of people here on the ground that'll be working with him. He'll probably have like five people literally with iPhones. I believe they did it at the Dubai CrossFit championship a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, they more or less did a lot of loser as well, like last year. Yeah. So it's like, we're, that's what they're going to do, but we've, we've had months to plan for it. So it should be like a, a better production than you, you know, than super scrappy like yeah. Savan will be at home like you are right now behind the, you know he'll be talking with brian live um there will be like sponsor placements at the bottom we will have like he'll have all the workouts and all the information so it'll be as like professional as we can make it. um but it's fun because again it's like you've got this you've got Savan who is very outspoken about how certain workouts should be broadcasted um whole field of play Etc. Again, again, I have an advantage. We only have four people competing at a time, so it's not like forty people in a lane. Yeah. But it's like, hey, Savan, you, you talk a lot about how things should be done, and I didn't approach him about this. I actually approached him very like humbly, like, hey, I would love for you to do this. Can you do this? You know. But it was like, hey, you, you do talk a lot about how these things could be done better. This is an opportunity to like kind of do it. Um, so let's do that. Like, tell me what you think would be a cool way to do this, and I'm open minded to it. Um, so it's really cool. I think the Zalos games is this like uh, unique project and it's like, it's, it's, it's built as a, um, another leg under the table of the whole CrossFit season. Like it's, it's intended to be supportive of the CrossFit season. It's not supposed to be like different to be different or combative or anything like that, but it is cool that we get to try some new things um, like announcing penalties in advance, like giving Hiller an opportunity, like, Savon broadcasting it. Um, we're introducing challenges for the live competition. So um, you're familiar with like the challenge flag in NFL football, for example, right? Okay. So like there's been this discussion lately over like should judges count reps or should athletes count reps? Who gets the ultimate say, etc. And it's nobody seems to know the answer. And so at our event, ju sorry, judges will be responsible for counting reps as I believe they should. 
Um, but if an athlete gets a no rep that they think is unfair, they get one challenge a day. And at our competition, there's two workouts on Saturday, two workouts on Sunday. So before they leave the competition floor, they can't come back hours later. Let's say, for example, the workout is 100 burpees and 100 pull-ups, something like that. If two of the burpees in a row, the judge is like, no rep, no rep. And the athlete's like, what? Like my chest, my thighs touch the ground. I, and they just keep going. They end up doing obviously 102 because of those no reps. They finish the workout and then they got to sign the thing and they say, I'm challenging this. And so we're going to ask, okay, at what point during the workout are you challenging? Hopefully they know, oh, it was a second round of 10 or something like that. Um, we can go back and Andrew's going to have, like he's going to have his own iPad like on the floor over the whole competition filming the workout and that's like our review so we're gonna look at that and so we see oh the judge is wrong you get these two credited back to you and you'll have x amount of seconds credited back so this is your new score but it also can work against the athlete just like in the nfl so if they challenge it and we notice well no those were two no reps we have to have two more you're going to be penalized um what what happens if they challenge it and nothing like as in if the judge was right but the athlete wasn't more wrong than they thought to her. Do you know what I mean? What if it's like, is it just like, no, that's your score finished? Or is it like, no, now you're penalized for challenging and being wrong? No. They, they lose the challenge. That's really okay, it. Yeah. It's like, just like in NFL, you have to be very strategic with your challenge. You have to be very confident. Like, because I only get, I think you get, I should know, I'm a freaking football fan. I think you got like three challenges in a whole game or something like that. Um, so if you throw your challenge at the wrong time, and then later on, something happens. You're screwed. So you got to be very smart. Like, choose your challenges wisely. Can and you keep them all till Sunday? What's that? Can you keep them all till Sunday? No, you just like, I didn't use Fridays. Okay, you yeah. can't like stockpile them. I mean, but God forbid you need to use two ch- like what challenge every workout. Like, hopefully our judges are doing their job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are the judges are all? <laughs> are the judges volunteers? Are they like how's that working? Yeah. So. Andrew's the head judge, and then we have eight volunteer judges, um, three or four of which have, like, uh, a CrossFit license event experience judging, um, a few that are competitors, and a few that are, I say, like, quote-unquote, just volunteers. But everybody's going through the judging course um, that CrossFit has laid out, Um, and we're having, like, weekly calls. Okay. You know, like, reviewing these workouts. We're reviewing the penalties. This This is a huge deal to me. And so, like, I'm trying to do it as good as possible. It's very tough, though. All these volunteers, like, you can't, it's not a full time job for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it is. It's tricky. It's, it is so, tricky. I'm like corralling different teams each week for a one hour call. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm yeah. so sorry. I don't know if you committed uh, to like week. As well, though, apart from, apart from the odd cycle, every judge that is doing it, like, there's maybe like one in a thousand who's like, fucking power trip <laughs> they're like you know this is my moment to treat people like shit yeah but like by and large they all want to do it and they all want to do it really well and they all want to do it because they love the sport and they all want to do it because they want to see the sport grow and maybe it might lead to opportunities and etc etc so um yeah it is it's hard and it's always hard when you hear like criticism of judges and you hear like oh uh we should be doing this and they should be doing that and that guy's a fucking idiot and that girl should have done this and whatever and it's kind of like man they're volunteers like you know it's like they did it for a pair of shoes or they did it because they happened to have a free weekend and maybe they left their kids for the weekend to go and do it so it is it is always hard when you hear the the criticism i think um tough industry i mean like the the crossfit 
if they're paid if they're paid fucking have at it like if yeah. they're being paid like 500 dollars a day to do fucking like you know lampoon them don't give a fuck but like it's like oh they're doing it for a pair of nobles or they're doing it for yeah. a pair of like whatever it's kind of like right okay come on like you know you can kind of go they did it for a fucking sandwich at lunchtime you know like it's like food and drinks included it's like you got a can of monster and a chicken sandwich with like five grams of chicken in it yeah for, um, for what it's worth our volunteers get uh lskd outfit a pair of reebok shoes and they get 40 dollars worth of uh, a local meal prep company so we, we oh, tried to cool. try to cater to them as much as possible my goal um, is um i was thinking a lot about this this year my goal is next year to pay every volunteer um something so anyway. that wouldn't make that wouldn't yeah. make them a volunteer technically, but um, something like a hundred bucks. Don't don't tell them that till after they volunteer. So they, get, yeah. they volunteer and they say you're no longer volunteers. You're being paid. Yeah. Um, you. I'm not surprised to see LSKD uh, getting involved. They're so good. Like, geez, they fucking love community. Um, right. You've got a good list of athletes coming. Um. I'm curious with those. So James Sprague is coming. You've all obviously got some of the underdogs, people that are based in Vegas. It's obviously a no brainer if they want to be involved to do it. Um, athletes that are coming from out of town. How does that work? Because obviously you're the event organizer and the bigger the athlete that comes, the better it is for the competition because it's like extra attention, extra eyes and extra like gravitas or whatever. Are you like, Hey, come to Vegas and you can enter this competition and maybe win something. Or are you like, Hey, let me bring you to Vegas and you can enter this competition and maybe win something. Like, how does that work? Because obviously you're 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 treading a fine line of like, we'll just say like Alex Gazan is based in Vegas. So is someone that's coming from far away like getting a better deal because they're coming from do you know what I mean? Like how, yeah. how do you kind of balance that? Um, it's a great question. So every athlete is being paid to participate in this competition. Um and their compensation is based on a few things. Uh, one, their distance from the location. Even though every like, even the Vegas athletes are getting compensated to compete, I think it's important for an invitational. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, depending on where they live and their respective like standing in the CrossFit competitive space. Right. Are they a games athlete? Are they a semifinal level athlete? Mm -hmm. Are they a last chance qualifier? Pedigree. So, Grant, there's not like a there's not an algorithm. It's not like someone's getting eight hundred ninety seven dollars and twelve cents because of a, their quarterfinal performance, um, and then somebody else is getting five hundred twelve dollars and seventy two cents. There's something weird, you know. It's, yeah. I didn't like run the data and like create an algorithm, um, but it is more or less like okay, if they're coming from Florida, they're going to get a couple hundred dollars more than if they're sitting in Vegas. Yeah. Um, if they were from the games versus from semifinals, they're going to get potentially a couple hundred dollars more. And um, part of the invite was, I'd like you to come out here and compete, but I'd also like you to promote the event leading up to the competition. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it goes out. So, I mean, you look at every athlete that's doing the Rogue Invitational. Rogue isn't paying them to promote Rogue Invitational. They don't need their help, but they're still doing it. So I yeah. assumed all these athletes would promote, but I wanted to make it clear, like I, I could use your help in promoting this event. So I'm going to pay you to come out here, but I'm also going to, um, ask you to promote the event leading up to the competition yeah. to build build more awareness and let people know you'll be out here so they can buy tickets and watch you or let people know that they can compete online against you yeah that's fair um you had so i 
asked you a couple of weeks ago, I'm trying to do this news thing, um, which just really fucking isn't taking off. But anyway, I'll keep doing it because it's fun. Um, where yeah, I share yeah. like news from from the community and like so far it's kind of all competition results and there's a couple of charity uh, things came up. Um, but it's mostly just competition results. And I reached out to you at the first time I was doing it and I was like, oh, I'm doing it, which kind of includes Zalos in it. Um, and you said, yeah, no problem. And I recorded it and I made the video and I put it up and I got a message um, a little while later um, saying that kind of bringing into question the fact that I was giving you a platform to talk about uh, your competition and that there's there's been issues around your competition with image rights and with like these like cease and desist, cease and desist, uh, like what do you call them? Not lawsuits, I don't know, whatever. Cease and desist, that's what you call it. Orders, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Cease and desist orders about using pictures and, you know, not having permission and that kind of stuff. And anytime I get a message about anything, I'm always just, I always just say, okay, like, you know, if someone tells me, like, that person did this, that, and the other, I'm just like, oh, that sounds really bad. Because, like, I don't have all the information. And, like, with the best will and best intention in the world, that person could be telling me the full truth. But if I don't know that it's the truth or if I haven't, like, witnessed it myself, I'm not going to say, yeah, you're right, that girl's a fucking asshole or whatever i'll just say i'm really sorry that you had to go through that like that sounds really bad like nobody should feel the way that you're feeling now and hopefully it gets resolved or whatever so that's kind of the line i went with <laughs> um like which kind of didn't seem good enough <laughs> like i kind of got the impression that like no like you know i was like well look i don't know both sides you of this. don't understand but it was like no but there's only one side of it and i was like okay i mean that's not true because there's always fucking two sides to everything um but basically it amounted to you using pictures and videos i think on the website on the zelos games website and i assume the instagram as well um that were like uh the rights didn't belong to you that they belonged to the person who had taken the images in the first place um, and this is like the reason I brought it up with you is because I feel like it's a contentious subject in general. Like I a lot of the times when I release an episode, I just go to the athletes or coaches or personalities page or whatever. I just scroll down till I see, oh, that's a nice picture. And I screenshot it and I crop it down and I put it into like an artwork and I I put it out. And like with the best intention of the world, like seven or eight times out of 10, I remember to take note of who took the picture and to tag that person or say like photograph by and the person. Cause I feel like that's just, there's, there's kind of no law about it when it's on Instagram, it's kind of public domain. So it's like, uh, like, you know, but I feel like I'm ticking a box by giving credit where it's due and stuff. Um, but it is a bit of a minefield. And I feel like the more professionalized the sport gets, the more that this is going to crop up where people feel duped or they feel hard done by, or, um, and there's a constant talk and it's something that I believe in where you kind of put a value on your time and you say like, well, th this is the work that I do and this is how much it costs. Um, and here's, here's why it costs that much because you know, there's, there's a, a coffee shop in Dublin and it's like, it's really good. It's expensive, but it's really good. And the guy says like, you're not paying for the three minutes it takes me to make that coffee. You're paying for the 15 years that I've been traveling the world, learning how to do it. And you know, like th th it's my right to do this now. Um, so you're kind of in that kind of stage where videographers, photographers, MCs, whatever like are involved in that kind of um you know promotional or off competition for a content creation kind of stuff they are entitled to put a value of uh like a, a monetary value on their time whatever they see fit because it's they're the ones that are putting in the time but then you also have the flip side of that where 
you know, you're saying you made a loss last year. I know, like, you know, it's been common knowledge that the CrossFit Games is fucking hemorrhage of money for years. That's why they brought out this whole semi-final thing, the sanctional thing. They've changed again this year because the semi-finals lost too much money last year. So now you have this thing where competitions are like, man, we're not making money. Like, we're, we're it's fine for Dubai, who can just, like, fuck a bag of money at it and be like who cares it's like you know we're real rich it doesn't matter we don't need spectators we don't need anything then you have people like the Jay crossfit championship who are like ah, we don't have spectators here we're in trouble like that's so they didn't do their live stream to to kind of allow that to, to to blossom i guess but competitions are expensive they're difficult to run they're like i kind of feel like people like a lot of people will you to fail like they kind of don't want it to succeed um, and there are plenty that do want to succeed, don't get me wrong. But when you have all that kind of stuff going on, you're like, fuck, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to like do this the way I want to do it? And then you get a price for something that you're maybe expecting because it's a new thing, because you've made it clear, like, we didn't make money last year. We're not in a good place. Or, you know, this is where it's a leap of faith again this year. And then you see a number and you're like, what? Like, that? then I just can't do it. Um. So there's the two sides there where the person values what they're doing and they have like, this is my monetary value on it, take it or leave it. Obviously not expecting you to say leave it. And then you have the competition director or the event organizer or the, you know, Instagram page or the company or whatever who says, well, hey, we can't afford like what you're asking us to do here. So we really have to leave it. And you got these two sides. Like, is that essentially what we're talking about here? That there was a, a value put on something and the value couldn't be met. Um, <clears throat> yes and no. I think I'll back up a little bit just to the, uh, give a little context to the, to the story without naming names, but, um, had a buddy, uh, who I met, ironically met this guy last year at Rogue cause he was shooting for free. A couple of the athletes that were competing, he was trying to make a name for himself in the space, uh, which is funny because like now there's this like media militia who's kind of like against doing things for free which a handful of them got their start by doing stuff for free but anyway so met this kid who's doing stuff for free he really loved the zealous games and so we became acquaintances that elevated to friends and then uh stayed in touch and uh, i would i'd like to think that we were we were real friends we shared things with each other going into this year obviously hosting the zealous games it was sort of assumed this guy would be the media director. We had chatted on and off about the Zayas games leading up to it. He was you know, a large part of like the encouragement and inspiration I needed to do it again this year. Like he deserves the credit for that. He was supportive of the idea. And then of course, like this, you know, this media, this message around like getting paid for doing what their, their work in the media space. First of all, I'm supportive of anybody in any trade getting paid what you're worth. Um, but like around the time of the games was like when this messaging in the media space started circulating around, like, if you're doing stuff for free, you're making the people that are charging look bad. If you're doing stuff for cheap, you're making the people that are charging look bad. And so kind of, you know, I'm not a part of those conversations. I don't professionally do video or photography. Um, so that, you know, that became like a message and sort of after that message, which is a righteous message, I support the message. Uh, this guy reaches out to me and he's like, Hey man, we should talk about, you know, the costs for covering the Zalus games. And I said, sure, send me a proposal. And I got this ridiculous proposal. Um, just an outrageous price to cover a competition uh, that we have been talking about for years from someone who has done half of his work for free leading up to where we're at now. 
uh, over the trajectory of his career in this space, which is, you know, a year long. Um, and so I literally and politely declined the proposal. Uh, I even have like emails to prove it for what's worth. And it's, um, it's one of those complicated things of trying to do business with friends, right? And that's a whole different topic of conversation in and of itself. But I said, hey, I, I respect and appreciate that this is your new rate. It, it should be. You're really good at what you do. I just personally can't afford this rate. Um, you know, one of his arguments was like Zalus Games is a for-profit competition. So he has to charge me what he charges for-profit companies. And I'm like, well, I'm not noble. And just because a company registers as a for-profit does not mean they're making profit, right? Like I might yeah. as well be a non-profit for now. So anyways, I just, I said, hey, I don't. You you're, know. you're a for-loss competition. Though, yeah. Right? Like, what? like a for-loss. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, I, to you know, money, I baby. <laughs> respectfully declined this, this proposal. And I even, there's even like in my email, like, hey, let's, let's try to like move past this so we can be friends. It's just an, it's just an invoice. It's just a job. That wasn't enough. Apparently I get a text like, Hey, you need to take down anything I've ever given you. Um, or you have to pay me for it. And it was like, well, um, he's a young guy and like, I've been around a long time in the business space. I've been managing and running businesses for 15 years. And so it's like, um, you've given me exclusive. What I said is you've given me exclusive access to this content. What I mean by that is I have an email that legibly reads, hey, you can use this content for the Zalos games with a link to a Google Drive with a bunch of content. And in the court of law, that is explicit um, access or explicit permission to use content without a price tag. And so like if we were to actually go to court, like I would win. Um, fortunately, that'll never like we're not going to do that. But I was like, first of all, you're being a dick. Like in my head, I didn't say this, but I just said, send me a cease and desist then. Like, if we're going to not be friends anymore, because I didn't hire you for an event and now you're butthurt and now you're going to send me like, take all my content down or pay me. Like, that's not what humans do. Like, I don't, you know, I was like, what? This isn't how we treat people. So sue me, you know? And so he emails me a cease and desist. So he did. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, so the, the joke is, at least the joke for me is like, you're not an attorney. You don't send me a cease and desist, bro. Like, you hire someone to do that. Like, so I said that. I said, dude, I saw it. But until you, like, acquire representation, um, like, legal representation, then please stop messaging me. Like, this is getting out of hand. And so from there, of course, he reaches out to some people, including yourself, and talks badly about me. And um, it's very unfortunate because it's super immature. And, like, I'm 32 years old. You know, like, I don't want to be a part of some rumor mill, um, especially – you know, I wouldn't say it's a sacrifice. Like I choose to do what I do, but I try to do a lot, you know, um, yeah. like, uh, started the Zalos games as a competition to create, create more earning potential for athletes. Like, but at, at the same time, he's creating a message that I don't pay media people for content. It's like, what, where's the case study here? Um, yeah, like, but you see, the, the, data? the thing about it is, and even like, say, like, I asked you, I, I DM'd you and I asked like, like what the fuck's going on with uh, <laughs> media? Like, is there a problem there? Like what's going on? And you kind of like gave me the highlights of your side of the story. And I think like, uh, I don't have the hand, but I'm fairly sure I reacted the same way of like, 
that's really unfortunate that that happened. Like, you know, that sounds tough. Because again, I was hearing his side of it and then I was hearing your side of it. And it's kind of like, I mean, it could be somewhere in the middle. One of you could be totally right. The other one could be totally wrong. What the fuck do I know? I wasn't there. Like, you know, it's, you can't, but not everyone, and I'm not holding myself up as some like fucking, you know, I don't know, like counselor or like someone who really understands how people take and shit. But like, not everyone will react that way. A lot of people will get a message about that and say like, oh, that fucking asshole. And like, you know, blackballed or like, oh, that dick like ruined, you know, like, oh, canceled that. Not I'm interested in that anymore. Fuck Zalos games. I'm not getting involved in that. Like, it's hard because and I understand, like you say, I understand where he's coming from, that it's like, you know, I, I need to earn money. And, and, and it is interesting when you, you hear and I have seen that same um, conversation kind of going on of if if you're undercharging or if you're doing it for free you're root and it's like well where do you get your start then it's like that thing of where i remember when i was growing up you you, you went to apply for jobs and every job said experience required and it's like if i need experience for every fucking job i go for how the it's fuck do the i get a job if i can't ever get experience anywhere yeah it's um, the egg and the chicken and yeah like, like it's it's you, you you like everyone has to start somewhere so i think just to tell people it's farcical to tell people like don't work for free because it ruins it for me. It's like, well, fuck you. You did it. Like, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. Like I did this for free. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you can't, you can't expect just to be like, Hey, I'm a photographer. And now I've, I've only ever actually taken pictures in my own gym um, for like my friend, but can I have like $5,000 to, you know, it doesn't work like that. Like you, yeah, you, you can't, you have to prove yourself. And, and the way that in every industry, themselves, though, not just yeah, media, like, but the or way the way you prove yourself now is Instagram. You get a degree. Or like that, and... Yeah. Um, but th- like nowadays in, in, in this space, the way you do it is like Instagram, TikTok, like YouTube, like that, that's the way you prove yourself because that's the that's where the eyes are. That's well, not so much TikTok, but that's where the eyes are. Um, as I've discovered, TikTok is oh my god, it's so frustrating. Um, but you have uh you have this obligation to have a body of work. But then if you can only ever get that body of work by either photographing like nobodies, no offense to them, but like people who, who won't reshare or whose reshare isn't worth the, the reshare, like you need these big names. Like that's how people get noticed. That's how that's how I found half the photographers and videographers that I follow is because I was looking for a picture and I saw it on an athlete's page or I saw an athlete share something and I was like, fuck, that's good. Um like those opportunities don't, you don't just open your door one morning and Tia Toomey standing outside of being like, Hey, I heard you take pictures. You know, like yeah. it doesn't work like that. Like Josie, he started by emailing Tia and Shane. I mean, like, can I follow you guys around when you're in Europe? He didn't say, Oh, can I follow you guys around when you're in Europe and I'm going to charge you 20 grand. Do you know, like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, and that's how you got to start, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. And like, it's the irony is that I'm on, I'm like, painted as a bad guy at least for like a week of my life that i dealt with these weird that weird i don't know kickback um but i say all that to say like one for the most part a couple things in response to this i think there's three sides to every story there's one person's there's the others and then there's the truth and the truth is i could have been less stubborn when i got that text and i could have just changed out the content and stuff yeah um but that aside because i don't think a lot about this person or that situation very much at all. I mean, I don't have a lot of mental capacity to spend my time on somebody spreading rumors that I use their content. Um, I do think it's important to establish some type of consistency in this space though, because we are in the wild, wild west. And so like, what I mean by that is 
you know, I had a conversation with this exact guy early on in his like photography, whatever career. And I made an example of when I was a personal trainer. Like when I first started as a trainer, I would train anybody for any, any amount of money. You want to pay me 20 bucks, half hour, an hour, whatever. I want to train you. I want to learn. And I want to make a living. It's what I want to do professionally. I did it for so long. By the time I quit training, I was $150 an hour for personal training. And um, what I told him is that I charged a premium rate, like the average rate in the city that I was in was like 75 bucks an hour for training. And I'm charging double, but I'm charging double for a reason because I, one, I'm very confident in my expertise, but two, if I make this rate for everybody that can afford me, then I can choose to charge whatever rate I want for the people that genuinely can't afford me. And if I got into this business to actually help people, the people that usually need the most help can't afford it in general, whether it's $30 an hour or 150. So 90% of my clients were paying a premium rate because these are wealthy people that can afford it. So I can train my dad for free. And so I can train a couple local, you know, people that I know that have some weight to lose or some, um, you know, deficiencies from injuries or whatever. And so it allowed me to do that. So I'm training 35 hours of my week for 150 bucks an hour, five hours of my week are free. And I'm not pissed at these free people. I'm very thankful for all the other people paying me so I can choose to train these people for free. And that's what I said to them. I said, you're going to have people in your career that need your help. Like, hey, I'm hosting this, not using myself as an example. Let's say it's somebody else. Hosting this event, I could really use media, but I can't afford it. And then he can say, well, we're friends. I got you. Because I charge everyone else that's highly profitable and significantly successful. I charge them my normal rates so I can afford to do pro bono work. It's just like attorneys. Attorneys have to do like X amount of pro bono work. They don't have to, but so that's a message there for any media people charge what you're worth for 90% of people. So you can afford to do, give people breaks when, and if they ever need it, especially like your friend's getting married and he's broke. What are you going to be an asshole and be like thousand bucks a day, bruh? Like, no, like I got you. We're best friends. I'll even do it for free because everyone else is paying me what I'm worth. Does that make sense, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. It does. So that's one message that i have for that industry another is gary vaynerchuk probably like the biggest marketing guru that exists has a book called i think it's like jab 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 right hook something like that and in order to build in order to make a difference in the world number one you need to serve like whatever you do is has to be rooted in serving um but what he talks about it is if you want to be recognized in any space you need to do a, just like in boxing, you jab, 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 jab. You wait for your opportunity and you throw the right hook. You knock the guy out, you win the fight, whatever. Right? So like jab, jab, jab. And what that means is like early on you start doing photo video. Your jabs are, hey, Tia and Shane, do you mind if I follow you around in Europe and just cover content? If you love it, share it. If you don't, let me know. That's a jab. You jab, you jab, you jab. Like So there's there's levels to it. There's a process. And so I think for anybody at the top charging five grand a day for media because you've been doing it forever, to judge someone at the bottom of the totem pole per se to say, man, you're making us look bad by charging a hundred bucks a day. One, stay in your lane. Cause like, you don't know what that person's life is like or what their goals are, but two, maybe they're jabbing right now. You know what I mean? Maybe they don't have the stamina or the confidence to go for the right hook that you're doing. You know, so it's, uh, I have a lot of feelings about it. My, my bottom line, <laughs> Is that people should get paid what they're worth, whether they're a trainer, an attorney, a media person, a CrossFit athlete, a podcaster. But I do think there's a, a process to establishing that. And despite what you believe, empathy and self-awareness is important. 
like, but like, and it's funny because there is like, you know, I was kind of talking to you about it beforehand, but I've had conversations with different people who want to support the show and they're like, well, how much do you want? And you're in that kind of thing where it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, like, and then you're nearly at the stage. Like, I, I know I'm nearly at the stage or was nearly at the stage where I'd be like, maybe I should message like someone who I think is a peer and ask them what they charge. Or maybe I should message because I don't understand how this works and I don't want to be, I don't want to say a number and then be like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Or say a number and then be like, oh, deal. We thought you were going to ask for way more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you sucker. Um, and like, I think the, the, the two people that kind of saved me from it were, like Patrick Cummings, who he he's like the co-host of of Chasing Excellence, and he's like he's business, you know, he's just he's launched so much stuff and advised so many people, and he's just a genius with it. But I remember talking to him about a year and a half ago, and he was like, "It doesn't matter, like you you know, like if if LSKD come to you and they say, hey, we want to sponsor your podcast, we want to help you with your podcast, um, how much do you want?'" And I say like, "Oh, like two hundred dollars," and then they say like, "No," then it's like okay, well, what's the downside there? Like someone else will come or they'll come back or, you know, something different will happen. Like it's not, it's not, they're not taking money out of your pocket. They're just not putting it into it. Um, And that was kind of liberating where I was like, oh, fuck, he's right. Like it actually doesn't, like I'm not losing money. It's money I don't have. And it's, you know, it's stopping me upgrading my laptop or whatever. It's not stopping me paying my mortgage. Um, And then Ben from Rad like asked me for, he wanted to do the same thing. He was like, how can I get involved? Um. And I was like, oh, I mean, you could sponsor like a series. You could do like, you know, three or four episodes. That'd be pretty cool. Like, cause it'd be nice. You know, his, his company was just starting. Um, they had just launched at Wadapalooza when we had the conversation and he was like, you know, I was thinking like I could have maybe I, at the time, <laughs> at the time I could have maybe helped him a little bit. Now it's like fucking really swung the other way. Um, <laughs> but like, I was well. like, I was like, oh, I could do like a series or something. And he was like, oh, well, like, what are your rates? And I was like, I don't really know. I was kind of, and then he, we were kind of friends and it was kind of more awkward. And he was like, yeah, why are you making this so difficult? Like we were, thankfully we were on like a FaceTime call. If this was an email, I would have died. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I would have attributed tone to everything. But in, in the, in the FaceTime, he was like, you know, like, man, why are you making this so awkward? Like you're ruining, like what's supposed to be a, a, an easy like conversation. You're making it really difficult because you won't just put a fucking value on your time. And I kind of said like, oh, between this and this. And he was like, well, which is it? Like the low one or the high one? And he was like, there's a big gap between those two numbers. And I was, he was like, I want to do a year. And I was like, oh shit, okay. And I was like, oh, between this and this. And he was like, well, which is it? And I was like, I don't know. The small one, neither of them, less. I don't know. Like, is it too high? Is it too low? I don't know. And he was like, okay, get rid of the first number, get rid of the hyphen that separates them and just go with the bigger number. And I'm actually going to go higher than that bigger number. And that should be your new number from now on. And that should be how you value your time. So like when people ask me like, oh, why do you like Rad? Obviously I like their shoes and shit. Man, Ben is like, like, he's just fucking good. Like he's, good he's people. really good, really yeah. good um so yeah i think i empathize with a lot of what you're saying and it's obviously frustrating for for the person on the other end because they do have a value on their time and they do have you know they have that but as you say i think it's there's nuance to it and you can't just say like this is the value of my time full stop i had it with fitter fitter said look we can't justify spending uh, money on sponsoring a podcast we can do this though we're like we can give you this amount and i was like fuck it i like you yeah let's do it like i'd be proud to be associated with your brand regardless of what i'm getting for it like this is free money for me so let's go for it 
and it's working out because they're bringing me to Wadapalooza. So that, like, you know, that was a major win. Um, okay, we'll move on. I think we've both said everything we need to say there. Yeah, we're good, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, it, I. I buy a spectator ticket. I'm going to Vegas. What can I expect? I'm not really, but hypothetically, what 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 could a hypothetical spectator ex- expect? Wow! Thanks for getting my hopes up, Peter. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a two day ticket's fifty bucks. You get a free coffee from Paper Street Coffee Company. You Excellent. Get free... Good fucking coffee. Yeah, man. Gabe, Paper Street, solid people, solid coffee. Um, you get a free thing of thumb tape from Grip Tight. It's always a tongue twister for me, but Grip Tight thumb tape. Yeah. Um, they'll be live at the event. Love those guys. Big supporters of what we're doing. And then you get a free sample from Podium. Podium will be there as well. Cool. In addition to that, you get to watch 12 men and 12 women compete in three heats of four, two times each day. So two workouts each day. Some of the most well-known, some of the highest level athletes outside of maybe just outside of the games for many of them. Um, and there is food trucks. We got like a taco food truck and a hibachi food truck. Handpicked these myself. Um, is hibachi the thing? Is that the thing where they put the 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 steam and the onion, or they flip the onion yeah. with their hat? Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to do that in a food truck, but we'll see. <laughs> they just hit um, the there, yeah. just throwing fire at people and stuff. <laughs> oh, eggs and things. Uh, and then, yeah, so two workouts each day. Um, there's going to be a spectator workout both days, obviously limited space at each one, but 50 bucks gets you those free items, gets you a show, it gets you a spectator workout, um, hang out with people from all over Vegas, all over the country mainly, um, see some of your favorite athletes compete, be a part of the live broadcast. Um, I know we're going to be doing on the first day after the second workout, we're going to give some spectators an opportunity to do workout number two live. Okay. Uh, and be judged live. Um, so if they plan on submitting their score, then they can sign up and do like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Two heats of eight people. The second workout's announced already. It's a sort of a sprint, um, couplet. It's, uh, not really a couplet, technically a triplet, but, um, five, seven, nine power clean burpee over the bar thruster burpee over the bar, bar facing burpee five, seven, nine. So it's like, uh, anywhere from three to seven minute long workout. Um, so we're going to have a couple heats and, and let people sign up to do that live and they'll get judged live. They can film themselves, submit that to the, the Zalos games online. So that's the live event. Super stoked on it. Like I mentioned earlier, there's an after party at the marquee Sunday night. Um, should be a really, really good time. We'll have podium LSKD, uh, paper street coffee company, grip tight tape, um, site. like athletes will have onsite PT through a company called project wellness, which is a, a PT company out here in Las Vegas. That's Food cool. trucks, games out back, things like that. Uh, when does registration close? Registration to compete in the event closes November 15th at noon. That's when the first workout is due. Okay. Um, you can start com- submitting your workouts November 11th at noon. Um, okay. But the competition is from November 11th to November 21st. We have 10 divisions, Elite, which pays out just over 30000 to the online competitors. We have the RX division, and then we have the eight age group divisions okay. um, that all have significant top three prizes. Um, all the information's on the registration page, and much of it is on the Instagram as well. Um, and tickets through the same. So what is it? The ZalosGames.com. Is it for both tickets and entry? So ZalosGames.com will lead you to the right links to go to Competition Corner to okay. sign up for the competition, and it'll lead you to like our merch slash ticket page to order a okay. ticket online. That's um, good. But it's all like 
check out the website. Let me know what you think of the website. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I'll let you know if I, if I think any of the images should be taken down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming back on. It's, it's been great to catch up with you. Um, I hope to bump into you in Miami. It'd be great um, if, we're, if, we're both, uh, if we're both there at the same time. Um, and best of luck with it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. I'm looking forward to seeing what... Hopefully it comes back in, in another uh, bigger, better iteration again and keeps coming back and keeps coming back because um, I think the, the intent is great and the way you're going about it is uh, different and intelligent. Um, so best of luck with everything and, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thank you, Peter. This is always fun. I appreciate you having me on and have, giving me a chance to talk a little bit more about the Zalos game. So uh, I will see you in Wadapalooza. Can't wait, bro.